are so glad that you're here this uh, morning. Uh, I, I encourage you, uh, if you're not making the 930 service, you need to do that. I mean, we're teaching Revelation verse by verse in all our adult classes. And uh, I'm telling you, it is, it is a blessing. And uh, these folks are doing such a wonderful job. And you, they're giving you information that you really do need. You're going to need this information. You're going to be sorry you didn't get this information, so you need to come. Because they're all through our Sunday school or teaching at the verse by verse uh, in Revelation, and it'll be a blessing and a strength to you. In the uh, book of Matthew, chapter 20, 24, have you ever read some scripture and wondered how the people were taking the message when it was preached at the time? And uh, particularly uh, here in Matthew 24, I think, you know, in, as this was being preached, say, in 1920, you know they didn't believe it. Uh, they scoffed at this message here in Matthew 24. They did also in 1930 when this message was being preached. They scoffed at it. They, they laughed at it. There was no way that possibly that the Jews were going to have a place of their own. It wasn't going to happen. It just wasn't going to happen. It was impossible to happen. There's no way it could happen. I mean, it doesn't matter what the Bible says. And you know, today I even find that to be the case. People say, I don't care what the Bible says. I know what I believe. <laughs> well, the reality of that, though, is we, you know, the Bible says in 2 Peter 3 that scoffers will come. And I'm sure that back in 1940 there were scoffers saying, Israel's, the Jews will never have their homeland. I'm sure it happened in 1947 that was being preached. That, I mean, that it was, the message was being preached. And folks were looking at that and laughing at it and all. But in 1948, the laughter stopped. You know, it, they didn't laugh anymore because in 1948, uh, England presented a, 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 to, the, to the United Nations a thought or a, 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 an issued an order that uh, Israel to become a nation. Uh, it went there. There was a lot of controversy went on. The votes were taken, and it, the vote was tied, and there was a tie uh, there was one more vote that's gonna be, that was going to be taken, and uh, rather a vote was going to be cast, and that vote was cast by the United States of America. And because of that vote, Israel became a nation. England and Israel was the reason, of course, we know God was the reason uh, that Israel became a nation, but what I believe that when that happened, also other things started being engaged. The last time prophecy started happening, everything started being developed and all, and things started moving. And if you're there, if you're there in Matthew 24, uh, the Bible says, there's, there's, and I encourage you on your own later on to go ahead and read this portion of Scripture. And the reason why it's important for you to read it, uh, because it will give you all the context and everything. But let me give you a thought. He says here in verse 37 about that day, they're talking about the Lord's return, because that's what this particular chapter is dealing with, about the Lord's return. And one of the important ingredients to prophecy was that Israel had to become a nation in order for this all to be fulfilled. Hey, guys, guess what? Israel's a nation. You know where it's at, don't you? You know? And so this took place. And so he's talking about that. But he, but he wanted to kind of help us. You know, sometimes people get really excited about stuff, and they don't stop and think, well, there's some, some practicality here. You know, we get so excited about this. Now, I think it's okay to get excited about the things of God. I, I think it's okay that we, that we get thrilled about these things, that, that we get emotional about these things. And, you know, it's amazing the stuff that people get emotional about. I mean, there's a lot of folks going to get emotional tomorrow night. And when Alabama wins, and, and uh, it's going to be a bad situation now. And, uh, but, but I, like, although I like Clemson, too. So I hope they both win. <laughs> and uh, kind of where we're living, and they'll probably work that out for us and all. They don't want anyone to ever lose. 
And so, uh, but anyway, but people are going to get really emotional and all that kind of stuff. They're going to get excited. I mean, they're going to be, they're going to be, I mean, they're going to be all types of paraphernalia. They'll be called fans, but you get excited about God. They call you a fan addict. Huh? We get excited about God and they put a, they put something else on us. Yeah, but they can get excited about something that really doesn't really matter. But the things of God indeed do matter. And so I think it's okay to be excited about it, but let's, let's be practical as well. He said about this coming back, about our Lord Jesus coming back, he said in verse 36, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father. Uh, he goes on in verse 42, he says, Watch therefore, for you know not what hour the Lord doth come. But he says something in verse 44, it's very important. Therefore, because they have all this stuff, therefore be also ready. For in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. Now, what he's talking about here, that it could, he could come at any time. And he wants us to be in a position to be ready for that to happen. But my question this morning is, how do we get ready? You know, what are the, the hows and the whys and the whats of getting ready for the Lord's return. I mean, here, here's the deal, guys. There's nothing you have to do to accomplish that. We're not going to bring it back. He's got that all worked out. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad it's not depending upon you, but it's depending upon him? It's like our salvation. Our salvation is depending upon him, not upon us. We don't get ourselves saved, and we don't keep ourselves saved. By the grace of God, we are what we are. But Thinking about the Lord's return, and I know a lot of people love prophecy. They love to go to prophecy conferences. They love all those big signs and pictures of, of different types of animals there in the book of Revelation. They like all that portrayed, and they like to go to all these things and get excited about it. And I, I think it's okay. You've heard me say it before. I think it's okay to get excited about it. But so what? What are you doing about it? What really does it matter in your life that that's actually happening? What is the practical aspects of this? And there is. Last week, we talked about the why. Why is Jesus Christ coming again? We gave you three real quick reasons. I'll give them to you rapidly. You've been here before. You know I speak rapidly, so buckle up. And uh, we, the Bible says that he promised he would come back. He's going to keep his word. We talked about that. He keeps his promise. He said, I have gone. I'm coming back. He always keeps his word. Isn't that an exciting thing to realize that Jesus doesn't lie? He doesn't even spin the truth. I mean, he says how it is, and that's how it is. So he's talked about that. He's coming back. He promised he would. We talked about it consummating our salvation, not only our, our souls saved, but also he's going to be taking care of these bodies. Aren't you looking forward to a new body? That's going to be good, isn't it? Then I can already see mine. But me and Brother Eric, we practice that. Say, what are you doing? Hair practice. <laughs> I can feel it now. I'm just, well, no, I can't feel it now. But anyway, but, but I'll be able to feel it then. So, you know, he's going to take care of that. We're excited about that. Uh, we talked about he'll deliver us from wrath. Uh, we talked about that we believe in the pre-tribulation rapture. Uh, we gave you some reasons why we believe that in reference to, uh, uh, man, so many things. We're not going to go through wrath. He talks about that. Uh, we realize if he comes back in the book of uh, Revelation, he talks about the end of the, uh, the uh, tribulation period, we know that we would not be able to, we don't, are not going to know the time. We talked about that. And then, of course, if you read the book of Revelation, the church is not mentioned in chapter 4 on. But even if we disagree about that particular thought, my question is this, what are we doing with the knowledge and the understanding that he is coming back? 
he is coming back, and that ought to motivate us to be about the master's business. Now, how is he coming back? I like this. The Bible says he's coming back in a twinkling of an eye. Now, you know what a twinkling of an eye is? Are you ready? You want to see it again? Isn't that right? That's how fast it's going to happen. I mean, it's going to happen so fast. The Bible says this in, in the book of Matthew, chapter 24, verse 7. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even in the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man shall be. 1 Corinthians 15, 52 says, In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trump shall sound, and the dead shall raise incorruptible, and we shall be changed. I mean, that's what it's talking about. That's how quick it's going to take place. And, and I encourage you, you may be here this uh, morning, and you're not really sure about eternity, and if you've come to Sunshine very many times, you know that we kind of focus on that. We want to make sure that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We're not really concerned about your religion, your pedigree, what you call yourself. We're very concerned about your relationship with Jesus Christ because that's the only thing that's going to matter. Your religion means nothing. Your relationship means everything. And so you may be here this morning, you're not really sure about that relationship, but you're kind of thinking in the back of your mind that what I'll do is that when the Lord comes back, I'll, get it, I'll take care of it then. It's in a twinkling of an eye. It's going to be that fast. In fact, not only that, if you look there in the book of Thessalonians, and please turn there if you would. Second uh, Thessalonians, I want to, sh to share this with you in chapter 2. Not only is he coming back, in, I'm almost like, it's quicker than that, and you're not going to have a chance to, if you don't trust Christ now, you're not going to have a chance then. But it gets a little bit worse than that. Let me give you in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. And this may have been hard to believe at one time, but it's not so hard to believe today with what's going on with our society. Look at verse 9 of chapter 2 of, of 2 Thessalonians. The Bible says, Even him who coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lyings and wonders and with all the secretfulness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they received not the love of truth that they might be saved. Now, he's talking about the Antichrist. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusions that he should believe a lie. Now, they, that may be hard for you to believe up until the, work, until the society we live today. There's all kind of lies going out there that people are believing. I'm not talking about the things of Christianity, politics, life in general. I mean, it's amazing. It's who can market it the best, who can spin the truth the best. And so it's not difficult to understand that when the rapture takes place, the explanation of why that's taking place, and then, you know, the lies that are going to come, you say, well, folks will never believe that. Where have you been? Where have you? They will believe it. God will send them strong delusions. So, so what, he, what I'm encouraging you, what I'm admonishing you, what I'm trying to, in urgency, to get you to see that, that there's not going to be a second chance and that, and that today, in fact, the Bible says today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. I mean, you have an opportunity this morning to, to receive the Lord. What an exciting thing that is. Excited to realize that, to understand that. So why is he coming back? Well, he's coming back to keep his promise. I like that. How is he coming back? In a twinkling of an eye. So here's my third point. Are you ready? So what? So what? What's it really matter? I mean, come on. You know, what, 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 what really, you know, if this is true, then what impact is that having on my life? If it's true. I mean, is it just something for me to believe? Like, wowzy, look what I believe. 
Or is it something for me to have all this knowledge so I can argue and debate you on a, on a particular subject? Is, is that the reason we're doing it? I mean, really, so what? Well, what should it matter, really, that he's coming back? Well, I believe, if you believe that Jesus Christ is coming back, it ought to produce some things in your life. There ought to be some, some things there that are there because of what you believe. Because you've heard me say it a long time, a lot of times, what you believe is how you behave. You can, you can tell me all you want about what you believe, but I can tell you exactly what you believe is how you live. That's exactly what you believe. And so if you truly believe what the Word of God is saying here, it will affect several things in your life. Number one, it'll affect your, your sanctification. And sanctification just simply means uh, being separated unto God, uh, living a godly life. Uh, Titus 2, 11 through 13, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, godly in this present world, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. If you're in 2 Thessalonians, turn left and, and to Colossians. You're only, a, you're only a couple, three pages from Colossians. Turn left to Colossians. I want you to see this. We're talking about if, if he's coming back and you truly believe it, so what should that mean? What should that do to us? What impact should that have on our life? If we really believe that, then it should indeed have an impact on our life. Or is it simply something we want to believe because it kind of fascinates us? It's kind of an interesting thought. It's kind of an interesting situation. Or is it something that's going to actually impact our life? And it should. It should, it should do that. It should make a change in our life. Uh, there in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. For you are dead, and your life is hid in Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall he also appear with him in glory. Get this one. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. In other words, deal, deal with yourself. So what he's saying here. Uh, uh, fornication, uncleanness, and innate affections, evil consequences, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And, of course, the thing he's saying is this. It's so easy, he said, well, preacher, it's not my fault. Well, then whose fault is it? We, we're so prone to, you know, it's not how you play. It's not whether you win or lose. It's where you lay the blame. It's always someone else's fault. But I think it's important to understand when it comes to this situation here, when it comes to our life being what it should be, it's our choice. You, you're exactly what you want to be. It's your choice. You would fight for the right to have that choice if someone tried to cram stuff down your throat. You said, no, I have a right to believe whatever I want to believe. That's absolutely the truth. You can choose to believe whatever you want, you want to believe, but you cannot choose the consequences. If you're saying this morning, yes, preacher, I believe the Lord's coming back, well, then so what? If it doesn't have any impact in your life, it's just a bunch of religious stuff. But if it's true, I believe it's true, then sanctification, separating ourselves to God, is our responsibility. It's our job to do that. Let me ask you a question this morning. Now, hypothetical. Don't fall on the floor. But let's say Jesus is coming back at 1130. We've got about 18 minutes. We will get the offering in. 
Let's not get crazy here. <laughs> Such a Baptist, I can I tell you. McCall, he's coming back at 1130. What really effect was it? If you knew you had 18 minutes, that's it. 18 minutes, it's going to be gone. If you really knew that, I mean, let's, you know, I know it's hypothetical, and you kind of go with me, if you would, on this. A guy by the name of, you may have, old, old-time preacher, a guy named D.L. Moody, man may, may or may not know him. He was a pastor in Chicago. <laughs> wish he was there now. And, uh, but uh, there at uh, Moody Tabernacle. And they asked Moody the question, you know, uh, if he knew for sure the Lord would come back. And when, he, when they asked him the question, it was that afternoon. He said, I'd go to church, I'd preach. Come home, have some lunch. Go to my easy chair, take a nap. And just wait for him to come. I thought, when I first read it, I thought, and I got it. He wouldn't make any change. There's nothing he would do differently. There is nothing that needs to be done that he would have to get done. There was nothing in his life that he had to take care of. There was no letter or a phone call to talk to someone that he's, that he's hurt or offended that he wants to get that right. There's nothing in his life that he had to get forgiveness for because he's already taken care of all that. And what I'm saying this morning is that if that was the case, and, he, and he's coming back in 16 minutes, would you be ready to meet him? Or there are some things in your life you'd like to get taken care of. There's some stuff you've been doing you want to quit doing. There's some places you've been going you want to not go there anymore. There's some, there's, some, there's some activities you've been involved with you don't want to be involved with anymore. There's some things in your life and some sins that you've hidden in your life. You don't think anybody knows, but you know God knows, and you want to get those things taken care of. You want some house cleaning done. I, I encourage you not to walk out of here with a wish of hads. Wish I had taken care of that. What I'm saying is that if we really believe the Lord is coming back, then it ought to affect us. Now, when I was raised up in the 90s, I feel a tremor in the fourth. Okay, in the 60s. When I went to the church, uh, they, there was this term they had. And I, I, you know, and I wasn't raised up in church. My, my, my mom and dad both have been divorced. I come from a broken home. I have half-brothers, half-sisters. Uh, so, you know, I, church wasn't really part of our lives. And, you know, and we were saved. My dad was saved the same Sunday I was saved, and um, the Christ was a new event in our life, <laughs> you know, God and church. I, I actually did hear God's name a lot, and uh, I knew there was a God, and he didn't like Hoover. That's the biggest, anyway, and uh, that I know of, but, um, but you know, when God did a work in our hearts and our lives, and I went to this church and got saved and grew they use the term a lot. Dick, you remember this, soul winning. Remember that term, soul winning? You don't hear it much today, soul winning. And in fact, Proverbs 11, 30 says, he that wins souls is wise. It's not, it's not a scriptural. And, and I, you know, what's actually soul winning means is it means that 
you're going to care for someone else. And you're going to share with them. I can remember the first uh, person that I shared the plan of salvation with. I can remember it was my neighbor, and I, and I they, had, they had to call the Romans Road. You may or may not know about it. But I took me down the Romans Road and showed him how to be saved. I said, Donnie, I said, would you like to ask Jesus to come into your heart? He said, yes, I would. <laughs> really? <laughs> wow. That's, that's interesting. And uh, he asked Jesus to come to his heart. He got him to church. He got baptized and all that kind of thing. And, and uh, I found out because I, I thought, uh, you know, uh, I don't think you can give the plan of salvation bad. I think if you give it at all, I mean, the Holy Spirit's one does it, you know. I mean, it's not, you're not saving nobody. You're not, you're, not, they're not, you're, not, you're not winning them to you. Jesus saves. We know that. Uh, but he's given us a plan. And, and the thing that, that concerns me is that we believe that the Lord's coming back. If you, believe the, if you believe that, if you believe that Jesus is coming back, you also believe in heaven and hell. You can't have them. You believe them all. You believe there's a heaven that people are going, going to go to that has Jesus Christ come into their heart and be their personal Savior. You believe there's a hell where folks are going to go to that reject the Lord. I don't know about you. I don't want anyone to go to hell. I don't even use it. You, you, you know, always cringes me. I'll get around people that will say, hey, just go to hell. I'm thinking, you know what you just said? Hell is not a curse word. It's a place. It's not a curse word. It's a place. Understand what that means. How in the world can I tell you that I believe that Jesus is coming back? And what that means when he's coming back, in fact, the Bible says, work while it's day because the night cometh when no man works. There come a day that this will be over. I'm not going to have another opportunity to share the plan of salvation with someone. That'd be done. That's done. And so, therefore, you know, even though I believe the Lord's coming back, and I know he's coming back, but what that causes me to do is to be urgent about this stuff. Uh, you see, if you that are coming to Sunshine, you realize that we're not pulling back. We're, we're moving ahead. We're looking for many ways. Uh, we got some stuff to share with you. It kind of scares me to share it with you. We got some stuff to share. We, we're not stopping. Why? Because Jesus is coming back. We believe that people that don't know Christ as personal Savior is going to die and spend eternity in hell. Doesn't that bother you? What in the world must we do? What must be said to get our attention? If you believe the Lord's coming back, let's not battle about this. Let's get people saved. Let's get the word of God out. Let's get those fields ready. Get hundreds of boys and girls and moms and dads. Get them on this property. Show them that we love them. Show them that Jesus saved. We're not playing a game. We think it's real. And whatever it costs us, whatever sacrifice we've got to make, let's make it because Jesus is coming back. So what? I'll tell you, so what? That will affect how you live. So what? It will affect your soul winning. What about your mom or dad or your brother or sister? What about your children, your grandchildren? Well, I don't want to offend them. What are you thinking? I'd rather offend them and get them to heaven. We're not talking about, well, I want you to change religion. I don't care what religion you are. Be whatever you want to be. It don't get you to heaven anyway. We need to talk about soul winning. We need to talk about, we need to be so conscious, concerned about people. What am I saying? If you believe he's coming back, so what? It'll affect how you live. I tell you what, so what? It'll affect your burden for other people and caring for other people. Last of all, it'll affect your stability. It bothers me when I get around Christians. And they say, oh, preacher, 
oh, the world's so bad. Really? You just found that out? Oh, oh, but look at all the stuff that's going on. Our economy's in the tank. We've been there before, haven't we? And, uh, you know, it's all messed up. And, man, what's going to go on? North Korea has just uh, ignited a hydrogen bomb. And, and what's going on with the Middle East and with ISIS and all that kind of stuff? What's going to happen? What are we going to do? Give me a break. We believe that Jesus is coming back. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All of the ground is sifting sand. Hey, listen, listen we just make this stuff up. I think, you know what I believe is going to happen? I think the redeemed of the Lord are going to start saying so or checking out. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I'll tell you right now, this world is heading for crisis. And folks that don't believe the Bible believe that don't they? You know what they see with the crisis? <laughs> they think they're going to stop it. Uh-huh. That strong delusion. No matter what happens to the world, I can tell you right now, the work you do in God is not in vain. You say, well, preacher, what have you, you told me, you heard me talk about it last week, what have y'all, well, there's another couple of programs we want to talk to you about in the next couple of months. It's going to be fun. I mean, there's some, some, some neat stuff coming on, and we're going to ready to plunge into this thing and all. Said, man, what happens? You know, well, what are you going to sink? Well, let's get in the water and find out. Let's quit playing it safe because we have stability because I believe that Jesus Christ is coming back. It brings stability in my life. You know why? Because God is in control. So, are you ready? Are you, your life separated? It's not get taken care of today. Are you winning people to Christ? Get you some tracks. Pass out some tracks. You just say, I don't know how to, I don't really know how to be saved. Uh, how, how to lead people to Christ. Well, you know, we'll get a class going for you. Well, I don't I, I got nothing to sign up back there, but we'll put something to sign up. We'll have a class to show you how to do that. I, I can remember that I, I, a couple college kids showed me how to lead people to Christ. And I can remember that. They went through the plan of salvation and, I, and you know, said, Did how, you know your Bible? Well, there was two books I knew, Palms and Job. Job. <laughs> you read Job and Palms? Yeah, well, I knew both those books. I was really, my, my background was strong on that stuff and all. Man, I didn't know that kind of stuff. You know what I had to do? I, I went to the book of Romans. I had to write, okay, Romans 3, 23. I had to write, okay, Romans 6, 20. I had to write, from, you know, from, from verse to verse to figure out where I'd go next. You know what I found out? I just pointed to the scripture and said, right here, you know what? The power of God gets into people's lives, and he saves them in spite of us. So you need to get involved in winning people to Christ. And then you need to be quit walking around like, oh, what's going to happen? We know exactly what's going to happen. Jesus is coming back. We know what's going to happen. So it's your choice. The first choice you've got to make is area of salvation. It's personal. I can't be saved for you. Mom and dad, you know, say mom and dad was this, and my brother's that. I don't, I don't care about that kind of thing. You have to, it's a personal decision between you and God. If you're not sure about eternity, you need to trust Christ, your personal Savior. In a minute, we're going to give an invitation. At that time, I invite you to come. Let someone take the word of God and show you how you know you're going to go to heaven. Exactly what happened to me. There needs to be separation. Separation is a choice. 
It's your choice. You know, a separation doesn't mean being a weirdo, being obnoxious, being crude and rude and thoroughly unattractive. <laughs> That's not what it means to be separated. In fact, separated people are kind and gracious, loving. You know, we don't judge people. Don't look judges. We're supposed to be gracious and kind and loving. That's your choice. In the area of service, are you involved with giving, giving of your time? That's what, you know the most important thing you have is your time? You know that? As you get more mature, you get that, don't you? You know, I see some young folks around here and all, they don't get that. Ben, you don't get that, do you? How old are you? He, stand up, Ben. Let me show you what 17 looks like. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, when I was, 17 never looked that good on me. <laughs> I mean, think of Thank you, Ben. I mean, this is what young, you know, this is, I mean, they, they're, they're indestructible, you know. I mean, it, you know, look at Willie back here. He's about, he's about gone. Look at him. He just, he <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you what, what gone looks like. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's, a, it's a fast track, isn't it? You know, as you get a little more mature, time becomes really important to you. You know, I'm really concerned where I put my time because I don't have a lot left. And so, therefore, wherever I put it, you know, and I heard someone say, well, yeah, I got time to kill. I don't have no time to kill. If I'm going to kill it, I'm going to work it to death, you see. And so you need to get involved with, with your time, giving your time to the things of God. We have so many. Man, we have, you know, you know it's amazing. Folks would know the things that we're getting involved, that we're involved with now, and we're getting ready to involve with our more, more stuff and all. So we're asking for your time. We're asking, we're asking for your talent. Some of you have talent. Those are, this is a value, things you value. We encourage you, whatever the need is for you to help us. Uh, I don't apologize. We're asking for your money. I'm getting ready, I'm, in fact, I'm getting ready to spend your almost 8,000 bucks you've given into the core project. You know, we'll tell you about that in just a minute, you know, because, uh, you know, here, here's the deal. Here it is, guys. I want to invest in my life, I want to invest my life in something that will outlast it. Why do you keep doing the stuff that you're doing? You know, uh, at, at this age, and this, being in this ministry, I've asked myself, why am I keep doing this at all and the reality is this I want to invest my life in something that will outlast it and I believe that's the stuff that's the stuff God's involved with 